Welcome everyone to Faces and Feels. I am Rafe Houston and today I am joined by two very special guests. They are two more pieces of the brain trust that form up the newly created and newly debuting Deathmatch Down Under. I am joined by Jay Stevens and Erin Dick. How are we guys? Hello, thanks for having us. Uh, I'm doing hey, well. Thanks for having us. Yeah, also doing well. Always uh, in Jay's shadow, doing well. <laughs> hey. Just lurking in the background. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we're establishing who's the face and who's the heel oh, early on. Okay. <laughs> Look, if that's the card you dealt, you just got to roll with it, brother. Uh, <laughs> so, so got to play your part. Exactly your right. Job. You just got to lean into, lean into whatever you're given, so... <laughs> and roll with that. Um, I was uh, very excited to get you guys on. I obviously had a great uh, conversation with the smash hit Joel Bateman, uh, getting everybody ready for the upcoming um, event. And I just wanted to kind of get your guys' take on it. It's a really interesting um, thing to me because as growing up a, a wrestling fan and somebody that was in and out of it and stuff like that, you guys are essentially, to, from my understanding, two fans that, are now kind of part of the wrestling business and creating a brand new company, and that's wild to me. So I just want to go, where, where did this start? Like, where did the initial sort of seeds happen for you guys? Uh, uh, John, you want to start? Yeah, yeah, yeah well, let's, John let's and I met, uh, met at uh, WrestleRock in 2019, um, which was uh, then put forward by uh, Melbourne City Wrestling. Um he and I properly met. I've known of him for a long time. I uh, hadn't seen him for ages because he, you know, stopped wrestling and been on the shelf for a while. Uh, but we sort of got to talking. I was performing with my band at the time and uh, he saw my uh, enthusiasm for wrestling as well as my knowledge of the entertainment industry. And I think those things kind of led to us just discussing, hey, let's do something, let's do something different. And, uh, you know, Joel, you've spoken to him, you know how much he loves deathmatch wrestling. So he said, look, a couple of other guys have spoken to me about uh, wanting to do this and uh, a couple of other humans are, are interested. And then, uh, yeah, that's, it's sort of grew from there, I guess. Um, I think the way it looks now is so much different to how we envisaged it from the start. Um, it's way more professional than we ever envisaged it. Um, but, yeah, I mean, that's what's brought us to this point, yeah. I guess. And and is it my understanding as well that a lot of that uh, professionalism comes through Aaron? <laughs> for, for what Joel said, he's, you're a big part of the uh, policies so and whatnot. Because <laughs> I know you guys that's have got, really like, funny. some really progressive uh, um, company policies and things in place that, that you're putting to basically be a, a new age 2021 20, smart working company in the wrestling business, you know? And I know Joel did say that you had a lot to do with that, Erin. Yeah, I laugh because I um, uh, can be, you know, I like to do this for a bit of fun and I, I like to be around people that are fun to be around and that's like what I'm getting a lot from this that maybe I didn't at first anticipate, which is ridiculous because the people who are around this company are all angels and stars and make me a better person every day. But I think that something that, um, I really wanted to bring to the table when I got involved around mid last year was um, helping with safeguarding. Uh, this was particularly, I guess, after the fallout of the speaking out movement. Um, I really felt compelled, I guess, as a fan and previously as like an independent journalist um, 
to become involved in a way beyond well, what I was already doing, which was kind of just, you know, uh, lingering around the edges of the business or talking to friends in the business and trying to support through the content that I made. Um, namely, I guess, through Bronco Busters, which was like a platform that I established to highlight the careers of women and uh, queer performers in Australia and New Zealand. Um, and that was just kind of, an, 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 you know, purely a, a medium for me to talk and enjoy the thing that I really loved, which was wrestling. And as a queer woman was like really passionate about highlighting people who do great things in that space. Um, but yeah, then I, I guess I felt really compelled to do more. And I, I mean, if we're doing the backstory thing, I met Joel years ago when I wrote a piece on him um, and we've stayed friends ever since. And he came to me and said, look, we want to do this thing. Are you in? And I was like, you know what? Now feels like the right time. I've, this is always something I've thought about maybe doing one day and never really thought it would happen. Um, and it feels really weird to think that our first show is in less than a week's time. It's really um, hasn't quite sunk in yet for me anyway. It, it, yeah. It's getting so, crazy how, how like much hype you guys have gotten straight out of the gate, right? Like you, you've just seemed to me to be ticking all the boxes and doing all the right things. It, may, it must feel like a bit of a whirlwind, right? Um, I'd say we're pretty humbled by uh, the response so far. We we were quite ready for what we were doing after being able to take the time post Black Lives Matter, post speaking out, and in a pseudo post-COVID world, we've been able to take a little bit more time, I think, than we would have ordinarily done to be able to uh, dot the I's and cross all the T's. And a lot of that has to do with, you know, I was I was really on board with doing a lot of the community engagement stuff when, when we started this up. And when Joel mentioned Aaron and, and how... Um, how important it was to them, um, how, you know, the community engagement stuff and doing the right thing in that sort of world, uh, I jumped at the chance of, of working with them. And being able to do this is, um, I don't know what the word is, is for it. It's, uh, it's been a lot of fun, but it's also been, it's felt really important and a very freeing, mm -hmm. I guess. Yeah, I think that sums it up. Like I'm having the time of my life, but at the same time I feel like we're doing important work that is influencing change, which is what we set out to do in the beginning. Um, and we're still learning how to do that as well. Like we, we, we still live in a, a world where speaking out matters and it's still happening and we still live in a world where black lives do matter and people are still fighting for those that recognition. Um, so I think we see our role in societal change being a lot bigger than the little bubble that is Australian wrestling at times. I think we really want to burst that bubble and see how far we can go with it. Yeah, the point of of uh, the start of it was actually leaving wrestling and the entertainment industry a better place and using whatever, say, influence, for lack of a better word, we could um, to make the world a better place, even as as Aaron said, just outside of our bubble as much as we can. And and it's cool because like wrestling is a niche bubble in itself. Deathmatch is an, a niche bubble within that. But but you guys are, are basically creating something on on a what I believe and and what I've seen from from what you guys have released on a rock solid platform that that's based around like positive influence, and that can only 
be a good thing going forward and hopefully, you know, other companies can see that and model certain things on the way you guys are approaching things and, and it can really inflict some positive change. You know, everybody says that like, you know, 2020 was the worst year ever and all this. And in a lot of ways it was, but it kind of to me feels like a lot of shit got aired out, you know, like it, mm. it all came up and it was all all drummed up and it was all very upsetting, but people are having a lot more conversations about these things and not just letting it sit in the background. A, I think we're in a position in 2021 where we can we can have a little bit of a reboot. Mm-hmm. We can, you know, we can get rid of the people and situations and thoughts that have pervaded certain industries, including our own, um, and start getting those archaic ideas out of these industries. Um, you know, you saw it after the Me Too, that, and I know that we're still dealing with a lot of that Me Too stuff in the uh, arts and entertainment industry, um, I think you saw a lot of change in terms of casting. We're by no means uh, perfectly there, but you saw a lot of changes, and it's a slow progressive change. And I think that in a after speaking out last year and after Black Lives Matter became so much of a, a, a force um, in the world, I think that, we're in a really good position to, to, as I said, leave those dinosaur decisions behind and, uh, and, and start uh, kicking goals for the right reasons. Exactly. Start mm. smashing tubes and taking names and doing the right thing. That's what we want to see. Well, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> I think it's interesting, like something that came out of this early on was when I was doing some of that preliminary leg work in building up the policies and procedures that we do have currently um, and looking for partners to work with in terms of community engagement and inclusion. Um, that point of you guys are running a deathmatch company, but you're like on a really sort of you're thinking really progressively and you're working in a way that you wouldn't see in normal wrestling, right? That's not the standard at the moment at least. Um, and that was on, in itself is a bit of a paradox, right? Like the most violent art form or the most violent people are the ones who want to make the most social impact, uh, which which I just find really like unsurprising if, if I look around me and I see the people who are surrounding this product and the people I work with every day on this. But yeah, it's a strange little paradox, I guess, to throw out there. Yeah, I, I think as well, like when you've got something, like like something is, as aggressive as deathmatch, or, or sorry, as violent as deathmatch, like is gonna cop a, a lot of eyes on it and a lot of critical eyes because people are going to immediately think it's using the term that Joel used when I interviewed uh, interviewed him, like. Uh, organized barbarism is what they said, you know, with the the carnage show and all that kind of thing. So you guys have turned around yeah. and are like, not only are we going to do this, not only are we going to bring it back, but we're just going. This is going to be squeaky clean. Like this is going to be locked down. We've got everything and stuff. So anytime anybody turns any eyes to that, there's a, there's nothing to really be said. You know, they can't really be looking for chinks in the armor and stuff in a poorly run company with, you know, people going wild and doing the wrong thing and stuff because you guys uh, are being very smart about it. And I think that's to be commended. I think you have to sort of – sorry, go ahead, Aaron. No, no. Um, I I was just going to say that – I was probably going to say the same thing as you because we're always on the same wavelength with this stuff, but I feel feel like we do it – not because we want to get the brownie points for it or because we want to look good or because we want to say, ha-ha, look what we did, like we did this better than anyone else could. We're doing it because we genuinely care about the safety and the enjoyment of our workers and we care about our fans and we want wrestling to be a place that everyone can be a a part of and can contribute to safely. Um, And I think we all 
really strongly believe, I guess, in the art form that is deathmatch wrestling and we want to be a part of elevating that. Like it's having a bit of a renaissance at the moment and we really want to be a part of that that new breath of life that we're seeing in the deathmatch scene. But remember, we're not a strictly deathmatch company either. Mm -hmm. Mm, Of course. So um, we're also trying to elevate pure wrestling. We're trying to elevate uh, the idea of uh, genderless wrestling as well. Um, you know, the, the idea that the gender isn't, isn't really a thing in our promotion. Anyone can go up against anyone. Um, just, just those things that we would like to see in a promotion, we decided to turn around and, and make those things happen for our own, you know? Absolutely. I, I think that's going to lead to some like amazing matchups and stuff as well. And I, I think we're past the point of there needing to be like women's divisions and guys' divisions and stuff like that. Why, why do you need divisions in a pre-scripted sport? Like, you know what I mean? Like, everybody knows what's going on. Like, so just put the best yeah, look, wrestlers I mean, with the I, best wrestlers. There's no disrespect to, the, um, to the, the divas of the past or, or the women's divisions of, of other promotions and things like that. That's fine. But in Australia, you know, there's only a limited number of women who are – who are working. Absolutely. Um, mm. You know, and then you end up having the same matches on every show and it ends up reeking of tokenism. Yeah. And that's one thing that we do not want to do is, is do something for, as, as Aaron was saying before, we don't do things for brownie points. We do it because we want to see that. We want to see those matchups and we think the fans are going to want to see them too. That's awesome. That's awesome. You guys have put like so much thought into this. When a, you guys did the uh, Deathmatch Down Under tour with Cass. Were you both involved with that? Uh, I was involved in that. That was before Aaron's time. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. so uh, from my understanding, you were sort of planning to launch this company sort of off the back of that. So with the, with the pause for COVID and stuff, that's when a lot more st- thought started going into it and, and it became where it is now, where more people started getting involved. Is that right or...? I think so. I mean, we couldn't have done it without, um, you know, Aaron's input with regards to that. We couldn't have uh, put it together as completely as we seem to have done. Um, It it probably would have been a case of learning on the fly at the time um, if we'd have used the Deathmatch Down Under tour last year as as, as a springboard Mm -hmm. for this. And I'm sort of pretty glad that, like, that all happened. Like whenever people are complaining about COVID and stuff like that, and I completely, I get their complaints and it sucks. It's a horrible thing and people are going through so many things. But from from a business perspective, it's enabled us, as I said, to get so many things covered and um, to really lay the groundwork for the important things that we want to be doing uh, in the future. I take it you wouldn't have made the connections that you did with IWTV and, and things like that, right? Like so it would, would have been straight into just like local shows or whatever, yeah? Well, it would have been into local shows. I'd been speaking with Dylan for a while, uh, Dylan from IWTV mm-hmm. for a while, but mainly as a fan, like, oh, what other promotions have you got coming on board and all that sort of stuff. So we had like a, a, a discussion sort of thing from a fan to the owner of a streaming service, <laughs> um, you know, in yeah. the way that, you know, normal people get to speak to Jeff Bezos from Amazon, you know. <laughs> Just um, all the time. It's like no big deal. <laughs> so, I mean, I don't think that it would have been quite the professional outfit that we are um, putting forward now. 
Absolutely. And I'm, I'm kind of glad of it. Yeah, yeah, ex- exactly. Sometimes, it, like, when when you're creating something, and I know through, like, say, doing this or, or doing the band I used to do and stuff, when you, when you create something and you're excited about it, there's always, like, a real urge to just be like, get it out ASAP. I'm so excited to show this thing that I've worked so hard on to everybody, and I just want to be doing it. And and what happened with you guys, uh, from from my point of view anyway, is that you were kind of forced to just hold that back. And then, so you've got it, and you're mm. like, well, then maybe if we can't put it out right now, maybe we'll just, what else could we do? And then just the polishing yeah. continues, right? And then yeah. where you end up is kind of a forced period of additional cre- creativity, and then you go ahead and you create this and that is it's why uh, every something like it's that. why every band's demo sucks right yeah exactly, <laughs> exactly. and trust it's me our first one did it never saw the light of day <laughs> like, yeah like exactly and then you take your time over the course of you know an ep for a year and a half mm-hmm. and you end up putting out something that you love you may not like the songs anymore because you've been listening to the same five or six songs for the you know 12 to 18 months but you have learned so much that the next time that you're going to go in, you know, it's going to be as perfect as you can make it with the knowledge that you have. It's like, and luckily we were able to get five people. I'm sorry, Erin, I cut you off again. Um, no, we you know what it is? I like, hate not like seeing your face. It, it's hard doing the conversation over the phone. <laughs> like, we'll, we'll have to do one in person one day if the, the country ever locks up because you can't pick up on anybody else's, like, cues, right? Like, so, so yeah. we do that, but uh, I can maybe do some tidying up. But I think people are also pretty forgiving of the way that, like, things have to happen these days. <laughs> what were you going to say I, then, Erin? I was going to say that, uh, as, as you saw immediately as we started this call, I'm very terrible at accepting uh, grace and, and good feedback. Um but I think I do want to stress that the vision was there when I joined the team and that those ideas would have come to fruition one way or another. I do feel like strongly that um, it was going to happen and whether it was just going to take a little bit of time, you know, learning on the fly, um, which is still something we're doing. We're still learning every day. The group chat goes off and we're like, fuck, we forgot that thing or we didn't think of that thing. And But I think there's just less of that because we've had time to sit and polish up. But we're still going to come across hurdles and we're still going to run into things that we didn't expect. I think we're all well aware of that. And the vision and skill set among our little team and beyond our little team is truly like inspiring. So that's me reflecting. (laughs) No, I think that's actually what I was going to say is that we've got five people with very different skill sets and we've been able to utilize those skill sets to their nth degree. Um, moving forward. And um, that's meant that things that I might not have thought of, things that Aaron might not have thought of, things that Joel might not have thought of, or things that the other faceless people might not have thought of, someone else is going to have an answer. Someone else is going to think of it. Someone else is going to have just an out-of-the-box thought that may not have come to the rest of us. And I think having that sort of democracy and free exchange of ideas um, is really important. And um, it's been fantastic. Everyone's really non-judgmental in regards to that. We've been able to put that kind of attitude uh, in our management situation, been able to put that attitude. The attitude that you see of us online is the same attitude that we are um, together. You know, we're friends. Yeah. And it's, mm-hmm. that, it's that same dynamic, right, in a band. You've got five right. parts or whatever it may be, and everybody has their own role. And there may be 
one person that excels at this part or whatever, and then somebody else, he may not do as much there, but you know what, he does something else over here, and it uh, and it all kind of works, you know? So I'm really glad to hear that you guys have, like, found, like, a really good rhythm and stuff, especially, like, you guys are breathing down the neck of the first show now, and I'm sure there's so, like, much to consider uh, in putting on a wrestling show, you know, beyond just, like, opening the doors and being like, sweet, there's a ring, let's go. Like, especially Absolutely. in all the COVID stuff and things like that that we are currently dealing with. Yeah, I think there's a few things that came up today that I need to purchase from Bunnings that um, I realised I hadn't. <laughs> they were on a a checklist from August when I was starting to put together <laughs> ideas of what we need. And then I just went back just for, you know, shits and giggles. And uh, it turned out that there was like three or four things that I hadn't thought of. It's um, absolutely I need to get out to Bunnings and buy. Well, well, look, remember this, and this is true of uh, theatre, it's true of music, you can never have too much gaffer tape or cable ties on hand. Yeah, they absolutely. Fix a lot of things. <laughs> Literally <laughs> hold up venues, put people back together, whatever you need to happen. Yeah, exactly. yeah. That last one might be relevant to yeah. us, actually. I think it might be yeah. be relevant. So, so let's uh, let's use that as a segue to talk about deathmatch, right? So, what was your guys' first exposure to deathmatch? Because it can be a pretty niche thing, and some people can be pretty shocked by it. Um, where, how did it happen for you, Jack? Uh, ECW. Okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> ECW answer. was the popping off point. It's a lot of people's popping off point. Yeah. Um, from there, you know, CZW. Um, and then, you know, in recent years, ICW, mm-hmm. No Holds Barred, and GCW as well uh, over in the States. So um, that's been my sort of uh, baptism of light tubes. Yeah. <laughs> sometimes fire, sometimes fire. <laughs> and how about you, Aaron? Uh, yeah, same. I mean, I'm a few years younger than Jay, but um, I, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was waiting for that. I was waiting. Um, I, yeah, also came through uh, ECW, but I mean, uh, this is going to expose me entirely, but I was first made aware of ECW through the 2006 reboot. Um, So that was my entry point into ECW. Um, Watched ECW One Night Stand 2006 and was like, this is just the best thing that I've ever seen in my entire life. Um, So then obviously went tape diving and then, found out more about ECW back in the days. Um, and, yeah, just kind of unraveled from there. CZW, John Moxley was the guy, still is the guy. Um, the dumbest of the Moxleys. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, a very similar trajectory to, to Jay. Yeah, so. right, right. I was – um, uh, I've, I've told this story before, but I, like, grew up in a country town over here in WA, so we had no – exposure to any of that kind of stuff so the only stuff i could get was like wwf and then eventually wcw on like vhs and stuff you know so i i hadn't really been exposed to it the the hardcore thing i had seen were like whatever matches they had you know it's like the legion of doom versus uh the nation of domination in like a hardcore match or something like that so uh though i knew kind of what it was and i knew obviously know what ecw was and never gone back and watched it or anything like that and it wasn't until we had gone to uh, Wrestle Kingdom like three years ago, we were just like catching shows at Korokuen Hall and there was like a big Japan show. They like handed us out a flyer and we're like, oh, we should go have a look. And I'm like, it's like a 400 light tube death match or whatever is the headlining match. And I'm like, to the girls, I'm like, 
don't know what this is. I think it's a death match. I don't know if that'll be too brutal. Are you guys interested? Because obviously I'm dragging them across the country watching wrestling. And they're yeah. like, yeah, we'll check it out. And then we were all just about it. Like, it was so awesome and so visceral. And, like, I think the girls now, like, the, the girls I say uh, are my wife and, and her best friend Momo are, like, probably more into Big Japan now than they even are into New Japan and stuff just because the events are, yeah. like, so so pumping. And my, my wife has also had a, a high... Uh, exposure to ICW no holds barred like the pit fighter stuff and things like that because I'm always like watching it and so she her favorite is Schlack and she won't hear about anybody else. Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> that's very fair. Exactly. I do think it's something that you um, like if you stumble on it, it's not by accident. Like if you find deathmatch wrestling for some reason, you were meant to find it and you're gonna fall in love with it. Like I don't know a single person who walked into a deathmatch and went, "This isn't for me." But maybe that's just the people I hang around with. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. I, I think you're right. It though. is, it is very captivating. For me. I, I don't think they were, they would have been looking for it either, you know. But then you're like <laughs> exposed to it, and there's no, I couldn't imagine somebody just like seeing that and being like oh, no, I'm getting out of here kind of thing. You're just like, what is going on? And then afterwards, it's like such a rush and everything. You're like, that was amazing. So I don't know if that's some kind of pre-programmed, like, cavemanism in us that likes <laughs> more violent stuff. I don't know. But, yeah, I, I fully yeah. love it. I think yeah, I think it's really awesome. And I'm so excited for, for this stuff. I'm really sad that I cannot fly across to be a part of it and that I have to wait Ooh. until it's on IWTV. I mean, you guys are uh, taking it incredibly cautiously and um i gotta be honest your premiers to be applauded for that uh it's uh, been a hard hard political choice for him to make the choices that he's had and uh we of course know that over here as well yeah with regards to premiers making difficult choices he ain't been playing no games man like my friend went over to queensland for christmas so his wife uh has relatives over there he didn't really want to go but that, but they kind of wanted to to do it, and Queensland had been okay, and they went and then came back, and he come back to work, it was all fine, and then there was an outbreak in Brisbane or something, and then like the premier just locked it down. He was like, nah, everybody's yep. in lockdown, backdated it, like he just had to like leave work and go get tested and then get locked down. I don't know what would have happened if he was positive. I guess he would have shut down like my wife's entire business, but, but yeah, it was like, he wasn't playing any games with that kind of stuff. It's, it's probably for the best though. You would have to think. So I, I got no problems with yeah. that. And I guess that, that sort of touches on where we're at now in terms of wrestling's just starting to sort of slowly open up in Australia, isn't it? I mean, I know you guys have had sort of the NHPW sort of stuff and I know EPW is coming back. Uh, what is it next weekend? Yeah. Um, which is fantastic, and it's really good to see those guys happening. I know Riot City over in Adelaide um, starts up again on Sunday, uh, the day after our show, and we're starting up, and then MCW is starting up. PCW has been going since, what, mid-December. It's um, it's good to see this kind of level of normality. The biggest problem for us is just, uh, you know, we can't get all the people that we want to work our shows and we've yeah. had to we've had to rebook a few things as you as you've been able to see by uh, uh, our friend Shazza McKenzie not being able to make the first match yeah, it's a shame, um, with Richie Taylor but we think we've we think we've booked a, a competent uh, replacement in Tommy Knight yeah the guys I've, uh, I've seen him before over here in Perth actually very impressive yeah mm-hmm yeah, he's a big striker, eh? He's yeah. heavy. He's huge. I actually yeah. saw him. So where I live, uh, I live in an apartment kind of just off the city. 
and there's this place down the street that's like the North Hellenic Club or something like that. I don't don't know what it is, but NHPW were there and they had he was on the show, but also like low key and um, filthy Tom Lawler just like in the main event, and it's like under my house oh, right. basically. I'm like. I guess I'll go check this out with no notice and just like rolled in drinking beers to watch it Loki and Tom Lawler. And I'm like, what is going on here? But yeah, like yeah. they've been, they've got some really impressive talent in through NHPW. Uh, they've yeah. booked some big names and EPW is, has been really cool. I went to, they actually have had one show already, um, which I went to, which was really cool. And then they've got their reawakening uh, is coming up very soon. And that's going to be a two nighter, I believe. So should be pretty cool. Yeah, I saw the ending of the last event with uh, with Davis Storm yeah. uh, bleeding yes. so much. <laughs> yeah, that guy's a legend. I couldn't put over mm-hmm. uh, either of those uh, promotions more. Mm-hmm. They're both great promotions, and I think sort of quite similar to us in that they they've got a bit of an eye on the progressive side of things mm-hmm. as well to make the wrestling scene better. Mm-hmm. I think both of those promotions are definitely trying to do that. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, we're definitely big fans. All right, so quickly to to throw you under the bus, Aaron, I need you to tell me about your obsession with Kota Ibushi. Let's go. <laughs> I should have known. It's getting hot in here. I might need to go turn up the aircon. <laughs> well, I mean, I can give you the like the actual story. I can, I can just be a, a mark. Like, no, no, it let, let's talk want. about it because I haven't had a chance to talk about Wrestle Kingdom with anybody. So we're just going to touch on it briefly. This is a brief segue just because oh, I need to get to it out of my system. Is that, is that right? <laughs> you can listen in, mate. It'll be okay. <laughs> um, I, I challenge you to find a bigger Golden Lovers fan. I yeah. um, love the Golden Lovers um, for obvious reasons, you know being a, a big old clear, but I, yeah, two, two of my favorite wrestlers independently, but just the story that they've told together yeah. and independently over like a decade yeah. um, is very much the reason why I love wrestling. Like yeah. the ability to tell a story like that with such like vulnerability and intimacy yeah. mm-hmm. through something as ridiculous as like, you know, their, their Budokan mat- match is like insane. Yeah. Um, and to draw it out the way they have, but I think it's just, it means a lot to be able to see two main event guys, mm-hmm. um, you know, at their absolute prime at the same time in two different parts of the world and really just keeping that narrative strong. Like the fact that, yeah, they're always going to come back together in some way or another, but I, I feel like that's, you know, that's part of the narrative and that's part of the reason why people like me really love wrestling because it's part of these like coded narratives that we can take from and say that, oh, that, that represents, you know, something that I believe in or that, you know, you can resonate with it. It's the same reason why everyone loves wrestling. You see something in a story that makes you go, that's me, or I, I felt that way too, or I feel that way about someone, you know, that that's why I love the Golden Lovers. But yeah. um, Coda's just a, a – a beast. He, he just made in a laboratory, wasn't he? Like, he's just not a human being. He embodies yeah. that uh, soundbite or gif from Parks and Recreation where Rob Lowe says, I believe the human body can live to be over 100 years old, and I believe one man will be that person. I believe I'll be that man. But Kota Bushi actually will be, though. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. He just is that. Yeah. He's like a freak like who just literally dedicates every aspect of himself to like his art form, right? Like it just the conditioning mm-hmm. and stuff is literally unbelievable. And there's so many small details in everything he does that that's unbelievable. So just to spoiler alert for the end of Wrestle Kingdom, uh, <laughs> there was the 
was kind of like a couple of amazing moments. But when uh, Kodoboshi pinned Naito and it, and it happens and everyone's like, yeah. And then the referee kind of comes over to get him and then he kind of looks around and he grabs Naito's leg and he tries to pin him again. Mm, and, and the and referee's like, no, like- no, you've already win. Like you've already won, you know, and he's so dazed and he doesn't know what's going on. And then he kind of looks up almost like a kid, like what? I actually did this that I've dedicated my mm-hmm. entire life towards. And the emotion in his face is like so real. And then uh, uh, the ref goes to hand him the belt. Naito snatches them away and you're like, what's this? Is this like Naito heel turn? Is he doing thing? And then he walks up to him and just holds him up and gives him to him. And then Aaron was crying about it and I wasn't. That's what happened. Mm-hmm. That happened. Yeah, like, <laughs> like legit crying. I was legit crying. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> it's it's so powerful. Like it's just this, it's the way that I think just stories like that we need more of them because they're so unique and they're so different from what we're used to having shoved down our throats for generations now. Like you get those stock standard narratives that we are really they're part of the fabric of wrestling, you know, you've got your good guy and your bad guy and all this stuff. But I think there's just so much potential there in terms of storytelling that people could explore and little intricacies like that make such a difference for a long-term narrative. And yeah, I don't know. I feel like half the time I'm like dissecting these narratives like this. And then the other time I'm just like, Oh, but he's such a himbo. Like (laughs) there's not a thought in his mind right now. (laughs) (laughs) It's it's almost like on anything that isn't wrestling. That's what he is. Right. Like he, he says some ridiculous things when you say, and it could just be like translations and stuff, you know, no kind of being wrong, but he lives his life so strangely. But then you see all these, like, just when it comes to pro wrestling, though, you can tell it's just like the thing for him, like where he, mm. his tiny details and stuff. And it is, it's what makes wrestling so special is that it can literally transcend language, right? Like I don't speak Japanese. Mm. Like I, I can listen to the English commentary, but even then, I don't have to because the physical story they're telling is all you need to tell that story. So, are you guys mm-hmm. excited to start uh, telling some stories? Uh, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Look, you know, that kind of leads me to a bit of a point because I feel like something that wrestling's really lost over the past couple of years, um, apart from a few companies and situations, has lost that ability to to tell stories and tell cohesive stories. Um, as, as Aaron was saying before, and I think they're right when they say this sort of stuff, is it becomes bad guy versus good guy or, you know, friends, but suddenly they're not friends or things like that we need to have a little bit more uh, nuance to it, um, a little bit more reasoning behind things. And, and, you know, we're probably not there yet. When you're doing a first show, it's hard to build up a storyline for characters um, or for athletes. And, um, yeah, in a lot of the deathmatch promotions that I've watched and uh, a lot of the, you know, just some of the other ones, it's just like uh, this guy's going against this guy. You know what I mean? And, oh, isn't that a cool dream match? You know, all that sort of stuff. But there's no, like, but why do they want to face each other? Is the fact that they want to face each other because, you know, that guy's good and that guy's really good and you want to see the two good people together? That's okay. You know, that that tells a bit of a story, but there's nothing beyond that. And so where's where's the payoff, you know, 12 months, 18 months down the line? Where's that payoff? And for me, that's very, very at the forefront of when we're booking these shows is what story are we trying to tell with each of these wrestlers? I've literally got a spreadsheet here that has storylines written, 
you know, and... Um, Don't kill the business, Jay. <laughs> I, I figure this is what you're going to do, and I figure it's 2021, you know. I'm, I'm quite happy to go on record about that sort of stuff. But for me, it's... Uh, for me, it's story first and spot second. Absolutely. And some, yeah. other, some other wrestlers and, and promoters and stuff like that, it, it's less about that sort of thing. I want moments. I want things that are important to happen, and I want people to have an emotional response. Like Aaron was talking about before when they were talking about how when Rishi got the, got the belts, it's the emotional reaction to a final piece of the puzzle going in. This is a guy um, who, it's, it's, who lost and lost and lost despite being the best physically and may, maybe the best wrestler. He he comes up to Wrestle Kingdom. Uh, he loses on his first big chance. He then has a second opportunity, not really to win anything, but just sort of to be not the biggest loser of the night and to uh, get glory. He loses that. He goes through this grueling tournament. He gets ch- uh, he He wins that just by numbers due to some machinations and stuff, and then he ends up being the first person to lose that opportunity. And then when he gets there, he goes through the crucible, he beats the first champion, then who's waiting, his arch nemesis who stole everything from him, and then he beats him as well. And it's just like his final crowning moment, and you're like, Wrestle Kingdom and stuff, when they do those things, who you want to look at when that happens isn't even so much the guy that won the titles, it's the guy that lost, you know. That begins almost the story arc for the next guy, you know. And that underlying thing where you're not like, oh, that guy hasn't just been discarded now, this isn't over, Mm. you know what I mean? Just because you lost doesn't mean you're no longer a wrestler and you're a big loser and it's over. That can begin a, a journey of a hero, you know, or a, a journey of somebody that's going to have. And a lot of companies overlook that. And I think if you guys are already thinking kind of big picture and long term, that can lead to those moments for you guys down the track. And it'll mean that your, uh, you know, fan base will have something to hold on to and they can remember those things and talk about and have that dialogue and stuff. And that's what's really exciting. You know? Yeah, it'll take it'll take a little while for it to properly come together. Yeah, absolutely. Um, these things always do, especially when you, you're starting something from – you know, scratch with no background to any of the people. Um, but, you know, we'll get there. Yeah, I do, think, I do think there's a place for these, you know, the, the big poster matches and the big spots and the kind of just the, the spectacle matches. There is a place for them, right? Like a lot of the companies that I've come across I've found because there was a matchup that I wouldn't be able to see anywhere else that I didn't expect Um that's very common. Like a lot of people stumble across things like that and then they stay. Um, and, you know, deathmatch wrestling in itself is, is really reliant on that that heightened spectacle. So if we're thinking from that point of view, I think if we look at our product holistically, if we can offer that, we can offer these like, you know, big poster matches like Tommy Knight and Richie Taylor, but we can also give you long-term stories. Um, fans want diversity they don't just want the same thing over and over again whether that's the same story whether it's the same match whether it's the same spots they want to see different things at every show yeah. and we hope that we can give that to them yeah exactly yeah, absolutely and now you can see why it works having yeah. so many of us you can see we all come from different perspectives mm-hmm. exactly all looking at from different angles but yet on the same page correct and i get all caught up in the emotional the the emotion of 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 the sport um, and sometimes uh, I don't think, you know, too big a picture about that sort of stuff, and I get caught up in that. And that's where Aaron comes in, or that's where Joel comes in. You know, it, it's having the different people there to, uh, you know, pull 
pull the situation where it needs to be pulled. Absolutely. Mm. And when you guys are talking about long-term kind of stories, I can see uh, from your website and from what Joel told me, you guys have got plenty of opportunities to do that in that your calendar is looking very full. Yeah. <laughs> I see. Yes. I see two two people's eyes. Like, oh, this is going to be big. Uh, who booked that? Jeez, you yeah, guys no, are no, you really. guys are running the table, man. You're straight out the gate, and you're going to work. Hey, you guys are quitting yeah. your day jobs, or what's the? We can't say no. Yeah. Look, we're very much looking forward to having the opportunity to reach as many people as we can, and um, and establish ourselves. And this year, you know, it's make it's make or break for us. We can go through, and we can we we have these opportunities to to show as many people as possible what we're about. Then, you know, hopefully, a lot of them stick around. Yeah, we hope we hope they will. We have faith in our products. We have faith in our people mm-hmm. that um, you know that they'll be able to put on a really good show for wh- whoever's going to be there. And um, yeah, I hope that really shines through. Yeah, mm-hmm. fingers crossed. I I think. Uh, I can't even imagine it not going well. Like, I'm just uh, so pumped on how it's going to go. And I, I, I just feel like the right people. I mean, like Joel said, he's like literally every single match would have to shit the bed for it to not work, right? Because, yeah. You... Okay, so you were in my dreams last night in the previous six nights. <laughs> Waking up in a cold sweat like, Joel was terrible. <laughs> well, I mean, that that doesn't happen. But, yeah, yeah. you know. <laughs> It's it's less about the people in ring because, as I said, we have yeah. the ultimate faith in our athletes. Yeah. But it's more like you know loose wires pulling out microphones and yeah. you know cameras you know falling on the ground or ropes breaking or you know things of that nature. I have or a COVID outbreak. Yeah. Or a COVID oh, outbreak. Yeah. Don't say I have the utmost faith in the in the wrestlers yeah. um, themselves. I just you know don't have faith in fate. Yeah. <laughs> it used to be, for me, like, uh, back when I was a band man and, like, doing all that stuff, I never got, uh, like, stage fright, but I was always worried about my gear, you know? Once that was all set up, like, I'd done sound check and I knew everything was sweet, good to go. But those, like, few minutes of setting everything up, like, does the bass turn on today? Does the amp yeah. click this? This pedal work? And it's like once all those things are done and I've heard it come, like, through the amp and through the PA, I'm sweet. But, like, all that technical stuff, like, and you're, you guys are talking cameras and ring and props and things and, you know, it's, uh, yeah, that would be a lot to, to take into account. Not to yeah, just uh, yes, not is. to just bring that straight back up for you. <laughs> yeah, thanks for that. Yeah, thanks sorry about that, that Jake. <laughs> planning on having a decent night's sleep tonight. Thank oh. you very much. But look, the important <laughs> thing to remember is that once all those things, once you've ticked them all off on the day, you can then. Well, I was about to say you can sit back and relax. You can't because you're going to be in the ring refereeing. Uh, yeah. But you know what? Once you can sit back and relax. Well, maybe. I will not be sitting back and relaxing. You know that. <laughs> Well, what, you know that for sure. What I will say is once you're in the ring, you can let go of all the things like cameras and mics and tech stuff and that because now you can no longer have any effect on it anyway. So you just got to do what you're there to do and keep that as your, your main mm-hmm. focus. So let's talk. Yeah, I'm shit scared about that as well. So, you know, cool. Well, let's talk about, <laughs> about you as a referee. So this is something that you have done for this. Um, what was that like just going, you know what, I want to be involved. I want to, I want to referee the matches and I, I, I want to do that. So like, what's that training look like for you? How does that, how do you even start? Um, you start by watching a lot of matches and watching the referee only yep. and turning the commentary off. Mm-hmm. 
um, and going through and trying to work out where everything's going. Because commentary, obviously, you know, they'll lead you into things and, and, and things like that. The main thing is like actually getting in the right positions and things like that. It's very, very important and way more important than you think and a lot harder than you think. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but, you know, I knew that I was at an age where I couldn't just start being a wrestler and I was never going to think about being a wrestler, but I knew I wanted to be involved in the industry. And this is way, this is before, this is before Joel and I met, I knew I wanted to be involved in the wrestling industry in some way. Um, and my first thought was, Hey, I'll, I'll ref and that'll be a fun little thing to do, you know, every couple of weeks and stuff like that. But when, uh, once, we started putting these things together. I said, well, clearly I'm going to be the ref on this because otherwise I'm just going to be, you know, out the back shading, shaking like a shitting dog, you know? Um, and uh, I'd rather be in the ring and uh, concentrating on whether JXT is going to absolutely launch Curtis Day out of the ring um, as opposed to worrying about whether someone's got their trousers on or not, you know? Absolutely. Are you... The only referee? No, there's, uh, there's two of us, mm-hmm. but uh, I'm the main referee that's going to be on all shows. Senior and official. Then we'll, yeah, I'll be the senior official, and whoever comes in comes in as well. We we had another guy who was going to be coming through, but unfortunately he's not able to make it this week. So uh, we'll see how things go moving forward. And always the best, the best thing is that you can sort of train people up as well, mm-hmm. you know? There's going to be people who come to us and say, hey, I want to be part of this industry, you know, and maybe that's a situation that they might like to be involved in as well. Yeah, that's it. Have you been, uh, as I know you said the other day, you were getting in a ring and rolling around in the heat, uh, you know, do, doing all that kind of stuff. You uh, practice and taking a few bumps or what are you doing there? You, <laughs> uh, is that all part of it? We have, like rolls we have a things? no ref bump policy, thank you very much. <laughs> um, and that's to protect this... 38-and-a-half-year-old brittle body. (laughs) Um, But, yeah, no, I look, I I go through and I muck in with the boys and the the women that go to the uh, wrestling uh, academies. Um, But I am in no way a sort of person that will go in and do, you know, handstand back bumps and and things of that nature. I'm really good at a forward roll on both sides and I can roll backwards and get up off my haunches and I can get into fighting stance and I can count three and I can tell you that I'm going to throw you out the back if you don't rope break. So, you know, that's what I can do. (laughs) I'm aware of my limitations. I'm very hyper aware of my limitations and my body is telling me that today. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> well, that's it. You listen to it and you'll be nice and safe and you'll be able to make sure that everybody else in the ring is safe. There's a reason that I'm sat here talking to you and not at the gym. It's because uh, my bones hurt. <laughs> <laughs> Just every day, my bones hurt. My skeleton wants to be out of my skin. He's not impressed. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And as long as I can keep him contained by uh, being safe, it'll all be fine. Yeah. Exactly. Aaron, any uh, any goals to one day enter the squared circle or...? Absolutely not. I really enjoy my neck. I like the way it rotates. It's, it's rotating very I, well, I can um, see from here. Yeah, yeah, I've got a yeah, nimble neck. I um, would like to keep my body in peak condition for as long as I possibly can, given I have a number of ailments that keep me back already. Um, I don't know. It's just never been something for me, I guess, physically. I, I, I like the storytelling and I like the 
uh, the broadcast side of things. I like the behind the scenes. Um, that was always something that intrigued me. I've always said I just would like to get as close to the ring as possible without getting in. So here I am. Uh, yeah. Not ringing the bell. Not a <laughs> ding ding. Well, you might catch me with a microphone here and there. Oh yeah. But um, I, I think Aaron would be a very, very, very good commentator. Yeah. You're well spoken. I think so too, Jay. I might actually take that compliment today. Oh, there you go. Yeah. There you go. We'll wow. never, never say never. See where it goes. You're kind of a, a lot colder outside than I thought because hell froze over. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. Well, as as we slowly start to wind down here, I wanted to quickly um, pick your brains as well. I saw there was a social media announcement that uh, Deathmatch Down Under is going to be one of the sponsors for the GCW Fight Forever event. That's really exciting. Yes, that was. Uh, you know, an opportunity that came up that we uh, decided to take. Uh, we we love that company. We love the work that they're doing. And uh, we're glad to support wrestling over in the States where it's, you know, it's a bit of a shithole at the moment. <laughs> um, but, yeah, we're glad to put forward whatever we can to try and help those guys uh, get through a really difficult time. Absolutely. That's, a, that's what started my IWTV subscription, really, like wanting to just, like... Yeah help out. There was shows I wanted to watch and stuff. And I was like, well, maybe I'll just get this subscription. And then anytime I like play anything or whatever, it's maybe helping some of the people I follow and stuff and anything you can do. I, re- I think really, because uh, yeah, the United States got problems. So hopefully uh, they can work all that out. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. And remember when you do go to IWTV, you can use the code DMDU for five free days. And remember that it's very important. That's the segue I was looking for, my man. No worries. Forever. <laughs> All righty. So I think I think there's one more thing to talk about, which is your you guys have announced lots of events on your your website, but you do have the the next event already listed, uh, which is uh, what is it? Is it kicking over sandcastles? Is that that it? Am I butchering the name? Smashing sandcastles. Smashing sandcastles. I just had hashtag sandcastles in my head, and I am not well prepared. So sorry about that. Yeah, it's fine. You can show your own <laughs> professionalism if you want. Yeah, well, there you go. See, I'm actually <laughs> going to edit. Watch how this is done. You got, you got so high. it's called... Uh... You got the important part. <laughs> yeah. Now, see, what I do is I go, so it's called uh, Smashing Sandcastles, isn't that right? And then I just go back and edit it out and we nobody knows that I stuffed it up. Absolutely it is. <laughs> and that was very professional of you to remember that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm definitely not going to edit it. I can't be bothered with that. But, yeah, absolutely. So that looked exciting. You guys have announced at least one match, right? We have Royce Chambers and Murdoch in a singles match, which should be fun. I think that'll be really fun. I think it's the first time for them too. It's uh, definitely a match that a lot of a lot of people want to see. Uh, Murdoch's a, a great young talent. Royce Chambers, I mean, we've all seen that guy. He's one of the flippingest mothers I've ever seen. And he's been, you know, he came back from a, a trip last year, a tour, and... You know, he did great guns over there as well. So I can't wait to see those two great talents go against each other. That's awesome. I've never seen either guy, but I have heard both names before. Uh, and I'm very excited to see, like, what's coming down down the pike as you guys announce more stuff. Then you're also going to have more of, like, the tag team title tournament and stuff like that will be continuing on and more names announced there, right? Yeah, absolutely. We've got another two rounds of that mm-hmm. uh, before we go into the semifinals and then round our first ever our inaugural tag team champions. How exciting. Shiny new belts. 
Love have you them. seen those belts? They look awesome, don't I, they? I have seen those belts. I am a mark for belts. I think they're the coolest things in the world, and I saw those, and they look absolutely awesome. I can't wait to see what uh, other belts you guys are going to, you know, deliver down the, down the I line. I think we've all had the belts at our houses at one particular point in time. Um, it was it was like that, you know, when you're a kid and you, you bought something together with a whole bunch of mates and someone had it for a week and then someone else had it for another week. And it was like that when the belts first got delivered. <laughs> you, you just get around your house, Jay, like you just hit the music on Bluetooth from outside. It's the glass breaks and down and you come in with it on your shoulder kind of scenario. Absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> you know, just go put the arms out there. That's what it's all about. Um, because I'm never going to win a belt, so <laughs> I'll be happy enough just to hold the things up. That's all. I, I, I just can't wait to show you guys uh, the the amount of talent that we have coming through. Um, you're just going to be uh, blown away. That that is awesome, man. I am so excited for what you guys are going to do. Uh, good luck this weekend. It is going to be something very special. I have to wait a very long time, so I hope there's maybe some non-spoiler photos going out on social media and things like that so we can feel at least like we're a little bit a part of it. Uh, and then once uh, everything returns to normal, uh, you can guarantee I'll be making my way over there to, to catch this stuff. And I think the, the, the rate that you guys are going, I may even see you over here before I, I can get over that way. Well, let's see how how things go. Things are definitely looking up in regards to that. Yeah. And uh, ever you come over to Melbourne, you've got a standing invitation. Oh, that's so kind. Guys, thank you so much for your time today. Uh, it's always uh, interesting when a complete stranger basically hits you up out of nowhere and was like, hey, let's the three of us just have a conversation and see how it goes. But you are very nice people who gave me a very nice time today. So I really enjoyed it. Oh. Glad you enjoyed yourself. We enjoyed being here. Excellent. Do you guys want to plug your your social media? Go for Depends it, if people want to see my uh, Kota Ibushi first posting or not. That's not really. <laughs> they do. <laughs> At ezdwiener, E-Z tweener. I need to change that. That's so marky. I keep forgetting that that exists. But, yeah, that's my Twitter. So hit me up. Yep, and I am Deathmatch J. And together we are DM Down Under. That's it. And for everybody, remember, if you do want to check out Deathmatch Down Under, get onto IWTV. Use the code DMDU and get those five days free to catch the inaugural event. It's going to be awesome. Thanks, guys. Thanks so much. Thank you. Peace out. Thanks, everyone, for listening. This has been Faces and Feels. Check us out on social media, at Faces Feels Cast on Instagram, at Faces Feels Cast on Twitter, or send us an email to facesandfeels at gmail.com. Until then, peace out.